Suicide is a tough topic, but the Washington County Reach for Hope Suicide Prevention Coalition wants you to know that there is always hope. We are a caring community reaching out to provide compassion and hope for a community free of suicide. In the next half hour, we'll talk with community partners to identify risk factors, raise awareness, and discuss prevention strategies. Hello and welcome to Reach for Hope. I'm Melissa Anderson. Now, any of us who have lost a loved one to suicide knows the pain and difficulty in dealing with that loss. However, imagine what those who have taken their own life must have felt like. With me today is Derek Staley, who recently lost his brother to suicide. Welcome, Derek, and and thanks for joining us today to talk about your thoughts. First of all, sorry, sorry for your loss. I mean, that, that must have been difficult. Um, tell us about your brother Chandler, who I understand was a Marine. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you for letting me be on here. Um, Chandler was uh, a Marine. He, um, he just finished his four-year service. Um, he was in the 31st uh, Marine uh, unit. Um, There's a special recon unit. Um, and, uh, he loved serving his country. He loved what he did. And yeah, um, he, he just got home, uh, about four or five months ago. So, wow. So, um, tell us what happened from, from a standpoint of when he came home and, and what happened from there that caused this, this tragedy, you know, um, like they say, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Um, in, in the moment, um, when he got, when he first got home, he was extremely happy. Um, he uh, interacted with us normally. He um, talked about his service, um, interacted with my kids. He loved hanging out with them. Um, in towards the end, uh, you know, he passed, he passed away on Christmas day and toward, you know, a couple of weeks before that, um, looking back now, I didn't really notice it then, but looking back now, I could tell that he kind of was distancing himself from, from the family a little bit. Um, he said, he always said he had he had to go to work, um, constantly. And, and looking back, I don't think he was actually going to work as often as he said he was, but he wasn't really there present, um, you know, in, in physically or emotionally as much the last couple of weeks. So, so his mindset was definitely not there. He was not, he was struggling at that point, but it was kind of hard to pinpoint that. It was hard to pinpoint it. Cause he was kind of the type of person who, uh, kind of kept to his own, as well as being social, it's kind of hard to explain, but so we just figured he was just busy and preoccupied with work stuff. But I, you know, looking back, I, I think he was kind of distancing himself from the family a little bit. And do you think he struggled prior to this time? like maybe in high school or in, you know, yep. earlier years. Yeah. And again, hindsight, it's uh, one of those things, you know, when he was 15 or 16, he ran away from home and we thought it was just kind of a, oh, he's just trying to get attention type of thing. But, you know, looking back, I, truly believe he was struggling with some mental issues back then as well. And then probably nearly his whole, uh, adolescent and, and adult life, he may have struggled with something. So he was how old? Uh, when he passed, he was 23. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So kind of in those, uh, years where you're just trying to figure out who you are, um, and, and where you're going and maybe yep. you're not in the same category as, as other people in your, in their life. And he probably went straight from high school into the military. He did. Yep. Yep. Straight from yep. graduate high school was always his dream to join the military. Uh, he, he joined the Marine Corps and jumped right into that. And, um, he was, uh, deployed for, for four years. He came the only, in that four year period, he, he only visited us once. So, uh, nearly that whole four year period he was gone. So. 
So something could have happened there that we don't know about. Yeah, um, he never saw combat, but he did. Uh, uh, he tested really high, and his uh, his MOS was in satellite communications. Um, he started out as a radio operator, and he moved up to um, some higher position. I'm not sure what it is off the top of my head, but he had a top top secret clearance. Uh, very, he did very well at what he did, and I, you know, I don't know. Like like I said, he never saw combat, but there may have been some high stress. Uh, I would assume so in, in that position. So. And oftentimes we've heard this before from veterans that come back. They they kind of feel like they should go back in maybe because their their place might not be here. Um, oh, and that's sorry, real quick. That's exactly yeah. that's exactly what he he was planning on joining. He, so he's in the Marine Corps and he was planning on making a, a career out of it and joining the Army. So he, he did have plans to do that. So I, I think you're spot on. Right. Give us a little bit of background about your family history and where you live. Um, so my my dad is originally from Enterprise. Um, my mom is from St. George, and uh, I grew up here in, in St. George in, in Washington City. Uh, I graduated high school um, down here, um, and then my family moved back up to Enterprise um, while I was serving a church mission. Um, and... Uh, me and my dad partnered up, started a business, and so I sold my house down here, and I moved in with him a few years ago to get money to start that business. So I actually live up in Enterprise with with my my parents right now while we're waiting to build a house. So. And is that where Chandler was when he came back? Yeah. Yep. So Chandler was living there with us for the the last four five months of his life. So. Yeah. Now I'm sure it's been extremely difficult for your family. So I appreciate you talking and sharing yeah. as much as, or as little as you'd like to of share course. with your family to deal this. You have a wife and a child. Um, how are you all coping with this? Um, so I, yeah, I have a wife and I actually have three kids. Um, my, okay. my oldest boy, uh, Declan and the second boy Tatum, um, uh, seven Declan, seven Tatum's four. Um, you know, they are, um, we, it's one of those things where you don't know how to react to it unless you go through it. And, um, it's something you never think about obviously, but me and my wife have struggled to, to know how to approach this with our, our two boys, especially our oldest. Cause, uh, Declan is his name and, and my brother Chandler, they were, they were very close. Um, they were kind of gaming buddies. They would play Nintendo and stuff together like, all the time. And, and Declan actually, he's, he's taken a lot harder than, than we kind of anticipated him taking it. So, I don't have, know. <laughs> have you done any kind of counseling or are you just kind of uh, just talking with them and saying, you know, yeah, I, issues? we haven't taken him into counseling yet. And that's something me and my wife are still talking about. I'm, I'm seeing a therapist and I've brought that up with my therapist and, um, and he's given me really, uh, excellent advice on how to approach him, how to approach my boy Declan. Um, but it's hard. It's, uh, especially, um, the, the, the way Chandler passed, you know, suicide, um, isn't something that's talked about. And I, I disagree with that approach and I think it should be talked about, but on the same hand, how do you tell a seven year old that his favorite, you know, one of his favorite uncles, you know, took his own life. It's, it is a difficult position, but. And were you and your brother pretty close? We were, yeah, we were, we were really close. We, uh, we weren't close in age. We're uh, 10 years apart, but, um, we had a lot of similar, um, you know, hobbies and, and mindset and stuff like that. So it's always tough to go back and look at a situation as you were talking about earlier and think, Oh, if I've only done more, but in reality, in many cases, it, it might not have been enough looking back now f and then forward. What would you say to others when it comes to this? You know, that's, Melissa, that is the hardest thing that I have been struggling with. And I think everyone in my family, um, is 
the the what ifs, the what could I have done better type of mindset. And um, like I said previously, you know, uh, looking back, it's um, it's really frustrating because there's so many un- unanswered questions that we'll probably never know. And there's so many scenarios that you just play over and over in your head. You know, that one night when I saw him on the couch and he was just on his phone and I just walked to my bedroom, you know, stuff like that. Why didn't I stop and sit down with him and say, hey, what's going on, Chandler? Uh, how was your day? Simple things like that. But I, you know, you can't change the past. All you can do is, you know, hopefully make an impact on moving forward on the future with any other people that may be experiencing the same situation, whether it's in my shoes or whether they're in Chandler's shoes and actually experiencing the mental disabilities or hard hardships in their head. But, um, that, and that's, I don't know, that's the hardest part is what could I've done differently, but yeah, you can't, I, I guess you just can't do all it's that. It's hard to second guess. Yeah. So why did you decide to come forward then and share this? You came to one of the reach for hope, uh, coalition meetings and you've decided to talk about this. Um, so a couple of reasons. My, if you talk to my wife, she'll tell you that, um, which is a good thing and a bad thing in a marriage, but I'm, I'm a problem solver. If I see an issue, I just immediately go into a robotic mode and, and think, okay, how can I solve this? Um, but you know, the, just a few days after Chandler's passing, um, I put it out on Facebook. I said, you know, I, I just made a post basically stating if anyone has any leads or connections to people that do public speaking or have connections with, uh, suicide prevention, I'd love to get involved in, um, one thing led to another and, uh, Rowdy Reeve was a suggested person and, and me and him are kind of in a similar business where he had the gun range. I, I sell guns in my business as well. And me and him talked quite a bit and he suggested going to the reach for hope uh, meeting. Um, but I, I, I just want to, I'm not an expert in this field, but I do feel like, um, it's kind of my duty or obligation to reach out to people and potentially help any way I can to hopefully prevent another suicide or to help those that have gone through this and just grieve with them. It's kind of, I just feel like it's an obligation I have going through what we did. So, and it's a good way for you to deal with that too. Absolutely, I yeah. yeah. It's uh, I told I tell everyone that asks me questions when they're a little hesitant. Ah, do you mind if I ask you this? I'm an open book. I think it's very important to get rid of the taboo mindset of suicide. It's nothing to be ashamed about. It's nothing you can um, shy away from if you want to make any change or difference. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Is what would you like to see done differently in our society when it comes to mental health or suicide prevention, if anything, uh, definitely talk about it. Talk, talk, talk about it. Even if you, even if your family seems perfect and you, uh, you're, you're assuming there's no problems going on. You can't think like that. I would, uh, encourage any parents to sit down with their children, no matter how old and just ask them with a brutally honest approach. How are you doing? What's going on? What hardships are you facing right now in your life? How can we help? Um, almost like a one-on-one counseling session or uh, whatever you want to call it with your children and just go over all the aspects of their life and and see what's going on in their head because that's that's the hardest part. Chandler was, um, like like I mentioned a few minutes earlier, he was kind of outgoing and open, but he was such a closed book with his thoughts and his feelings and his emotions that 
we always assumed he was happy, but no, I don't think any one of us sat down with him and said, Hey Chandler, what's going on in your life? And, you know, so I think it's, I think it's very important to, to just be open about it. Yeah. And don't be so much in your head or ask them questions because you, you never know what's going on inside of someone who's closed off like that. Yep, um, yep. What are you uh, or will you do differently in the future then as a result of Chandler's death, if anything? Um, well, with with my own family, like I like I said, I'm going to talk about everything. Um I don't think there's any one subject that should be off limits with your kids, not one, um, whether it be, you know, sexual orientation, sex ed, pornography, drug addiction, um, stresses, anything that should all be laid out on the table. Um, and there should be not, there shouldn't be any topic that's off limits in your family. And that should go with your close friends or with anyone. If you want to take it to the next level, how can others help? then with this is there anything that we can do to, to support a family who has had a recent loss um i mean we can grieve with you and i've seen posts on social media and things but does this help um you know for our family i can't speak for everyone's family that has gone through a similar situation but for our family what we have or i i i'm speaking for myself but i would assume the rest of my siblings and parents would agree um is uh, physical visit, um, you know, reaching out on the phone's good, reaching out on, you know, on social media, like I said, is good, but we've had so many people come over, um, visit, um, talk about it. And for me, like I said, I can't speak for everyone in my family, but for me, it's very, very helpful to talk about it. Um, and talk about Chandler, talk about, you know, the, the details, um, as much as, you know, we feel comfortable sharing, but it's very, it's very healthy for me to talk about what happened and to, and just, you know, have friends that come over and visit and be there. I imagine it's going to be tough um, because he did pass away on Christmas day um, to go through this next Christmas. What are you doing in preparation of that? Uh, and have you put up a, maybe a, a memorial or something to remember him by, or have you thought about what you're going to do to make this something that is not considered a sin, so to speak, and taboo versus someone who who was struggling. I mean, a lot of times people will go, "Oh, we, we don't, don't we want we don't want to recognize this." But as close as you were to your brother, I'm sure you're feeling, you know, like I, I want to do something and I want to remember him for the good that he did do. I mean, especially when it comes to your son. Yeah. Um, so being in Southern Utah, we know there's a, a heavy. Uh, church culture. And I know there have been some previous things said by church members and leaders that, like you said, it's, a, it's a sin if you take your own life. And I, I disagree with that. I don't care what anyone tells me. Um, Chandler was going through things and, and I, I think every single suicide victim goes through things that are out of their control. They're not in their right mindset. And him passing away on Christmas. Um, some of my family members said that it's going to be very difficult and why did it have to happen on this day? You know, not questioning Chandler, but just questioning God and the universe. Why did it happen on Christmas? Mm -hmm. uh, me personally, I think um, trying to turn that into a, from a negative to a positive, I think is a special, it's going to be more of a special day for us to remember God and Christ and, and Chandler and all these things connected to each other. Um, and um, I think the best thing we can do is just 
remember and keep in mind that he wasn't in his right mindset. He's in a happier place. And unfortunately, we weren't able to change that. But if we just try and focus on the positives, I think that's all we can all we can do at this moment. So and move forward in in the memories that were good and celebrate yep. his life and not his death. Correct. I mean, correct. A lot of time that that's hard to do, especially in looking back and, and, and going to a funeral and, and realizing that this is it, you're not going to see him again, but knowing that someday you will see him again. Correct. I mean, correct. a lot of people yeah. might not think that far ahead. Um, but it's something that you're probably been thinking about. It's hard. You know, I talked to my therapist. I, I've had moments where absolute hell has taken over my life and I was so angry and and, you know, I, honest, if I'm being completely honest, mad at Chandler, why didn't he just reach out to me and talk to me, mad at God, mad at the universe. But if you let those, if you let those emotion, emotions and feelings take over, it's not going to do you any good and it's not going to change anything. So um, you're going to just have to turn it into a positive and, and remember the good times. Um, we do uh, offer uh, help at Reach for Hope to, to help people um, Ask those questions to uh, question, how are you feeling? What are you doing? Are you thinking about taking your own life? Uh, um, what can we do to help? Uh, and, and if they are struggling with that, to refer them, you know, question, persuade them to go get help and, and refer them to that help. Do you think that would have made a difference if, if things like that happen in life? I mean, we need to all, it's hard to ask that question. It is. Yep, it is. And I, uh, I don't blame Chandler because, um, probably because of the culture of our society is, and especially, especially a Marine, uh, a Marine, mm -hmm. you know, he's, he's been raised in the Marines the last four years to think I can do this. I'm a man. I've got this. I've, I'm, I'm a soldier. I don't need help. Um, I'm not going to ask for help. And so I, I have more th sympathy for, for you know, ex-Marines and ex-soldiers who have gone through that and who are going through hell in their mind because that's, I don't want to say they were brainwashed, but they kind of were in a sense mm -hmm. um, to think that way. And so, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think that would be extremely beneficial to have, you know, something set up like that to where there, there is help and they know there's help. Yeah. And to not, f and, and for your family not to feel that guilt because, you know, in all honesty, you didn't really know what he was going through. And that's why I brought that up earlier is that we don't know what someone's no, mind no. is going through if they're struggling or what. That's why it's important to think about that on occasion and just go, hmm, that person just might not seem a little bit right right yep. now. Maybe even if it's a stranger to just reach out. Oh, I've, it's made a huge impact on, on my life with strangers. Um, you know, if you're, at, if you're at a grocery store and you can tell someone's just having a bad day, smile at them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't notice, you, or you don't see people smiling at anyone anymore. I think everyone's just on autopilot and go in, get your groceries, go out, but say hi, talk to people. And that, I think that can make a huge difference. Just something as simple as that. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, is the stigma that we're trying to break. Um, uh, oftentimes we think that, you know, if we're in that state of mind, we're, we might be the only ones thinking that, but I'll bet you 10 to one, most people have thought about yep. suicide at one time or another, whether you're going through that stress or that strain in your life. And 
it's just a matter of how you deal with that and how you go forward with that. And if there's drugs or alcohol or anything like that in, involved, you're not thinking straight. And you said right there that you thought that your brother wasn't thinking straight at the time. Had he been or been with someone, maybe he wouldn't have have taken his own life. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I think I would dare say 99% of people have that thought of suicide go through their head at some point in their life, some more serious than others. Some, maybe the thought just crossed their mind for a second and they, they dismissed it, but yep. Everyone, uh, everyone definitely has stresses in their life and, and crappy times and they feel that feel like there's no way they can go up from there. But, um, Yep, everyone needs everyone needs that uh, that help in their life at some point. In their life. Everyone needs someone. Yep, that's needs the someone. thing. When you're alone and you feel like you're alone, that's that's not a good feeling to have. So yep. isolation is a tough thing too. And we've been in isolation with the pandemic and things too. So it's really been difficult with that. What kind of advice or what kind of things would you like to say moving forward to um, other families who may have been struggling or or to your own family? Uh, as far as how to move forward into this next step. And, the, you know, they say that suicide affects at least seven generations down the road, and that is not a good thing to think about. It sounds like you've got your own family on track, but it's got to be continued on. You know, it's uh, it's interesting because me and my dad just had a conversation probably six months ago about how fortunate we were with a family of 15 people, 13 kids, um, how we haven't lost anyone yet. Um, and you, when you have a family or when things are going perfect, you don't think, um, I mean, you just take things for granted. So I would, um, moving forward from this time forward, I'm going to tell people not to take advantage of the good times and to always constantly, um, check in, check in on those you love. And those you don't love, like we talked about, you know, help your strangers or your neighbors that you don't know very well. Um, we're all human. We're all in this together. We're all in this thing called life where we're, we're all going to go through hard times. None of us are going to make it out alive. We're all going to pass away. But that doesn't mean that we can't help each other and that we can't check in on each other. And, you know, it's kind of a domino effect of the stigma and the tabooness of suicide because right after Chandler's death, I, one of my good friends said, Hey, you, you should go see my therapist that I see, you know? And I said, no, I'm not gonna see a therapist. I don't need a therapist. And it's been the best thing I've ever done. Best advice I've ever received, um, has been from my therapist. So if you have gone through this, go see a therapist, go to counseling, reach out to some of these, uh, great organizations like the reach for hope, um, coalition and get involved. Um, you're not going to, it's not going to hurt anything to do all these good things. It's only going to do good. So, yeah, obviously it's, it's done great for your family. So what would you say if you could talk to Chandler in person, what, what could you share with him even after this fact that this has all happened? If you had something that you'd say to him, what would it be? Oh, geez. <laughs> That'd be a, that's a tough question. I know I kind of sprung that one on you, but to think about him and his frame of mind, you know, we don't know what they're thinking right before, but if you could tell him right now, if you could talk to him, what would you say to him? I would say that we all love him and that we forgive him. And well, there's no need for forgiveness. Actually, there's, we're just happy that he is in a better place and we didn't understand everything he went through, but 
he was a good kid. You know, he had a heart of gold and he was going through things that none of us understood. And I think we, at some degree or another, we all have those things going on in our lives and, but we miss him. We do miss him. He's, he's definitely going to be missed. And I, I feel so bad that he went through those last few days alone without reaching out to us. And I wish we could have changed that, but but we can only move forward we from can only here. Move forward. And I think he knows that and he's probably feeling that right now. I Absolutely. mean, he, he knows how much you love him. hundred percent. That's what brotherly love's all about, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, I just like to say thank you so much for joining us today, Derek, and, and wish your family well. Thank you. Uh, thanks for sharing and dealing with this, your loss. Um, that's a pretty brave thing to do. And I, I commend you for that. And I ask that, you know, I'm going to send some prayers up for you and your family and, you. and that you have closure with this because we've got to keep this topic alive as much as we can so that we can save more lives. I agree. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for that. all you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for coming to our, our, our meetings and, and sharing with the audience here today as well. So absolutely appreciate it. All right. And, and, uh, like he said, don't be afraid to reach out, look for help for counseling, um, persuade others to seek that help and refer them to that help. Because if we could just, you know, even save one life, I think that we're, we're looking for, uh, you know, to help a lot of people out there. That's what we're here for. So thanks again for watching. And remember, there's always hope. Thanks for watching. And thank you again, Derek, for thank you. sharing. It's been wonderful to have you here. Anytime. It. Thank you. Thanks. The Reach for Hope Coalition wants you to know that we care about you and we are here to help. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, reach out. You're not alone. To access resources for yourself or others, visit our webpage at reachforhopeutah.org. That's reach, the number four, hopeutah.org. If you are experiencing a crisis, please call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK because you matter and there is always hope. This has been a production from a podcast studio.